today, I want to do a real just brief teaching for me uh, about the first outdoor big splash. Do you know when the first outdoor big splash was? It was the day the church launched. The day the church launched. When the church launched, it was the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. And that means 50. It was the Feast of Weeks in Jerusalem. And this is exciting because on that day, some really, really, really special things took place that are resonating into today, actually. And we're going to see a miniature reenactment of Pentecost from Acts chapter 2. So here's, here's a really, just a simple way to follow this message today. Okay, Levi, where, where is my monitor? Le- Levi was supposed to bring out my monitor. Maybe I didn't do something I was supposed to do. I don't know. Uh, oh, there it is. Okay, so the monitor is on the screen. So look, this is real simple. I want you to follow this because this is a template. This is a template for being in the community of Christ for your life. So today, just real quick, sermon, savior, surrender, and then what we call the five S's. And if you get that, you get the power of what Adam is split in Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost takes place. And so let's just walk through this real quick. The first is, this is a sermon about a sermon. And this is exciting because I like sermons. Does anybody here like sermons? Yeah, sermonizing is a really funky thing because, because it, it's something I've been doing for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel really weird after a, a sermon on Sunday. I, I remember in Ghostbusters when Bill Murray goes, he slimed me. And that's how I feel after I do a sermon on Sundays is I feel like I've been slimed. It's just a really weird deal, the adrenal expenditure. But I, wanna, I want you to see something. This is like sermons get a bad rap, right? Don't preach at me, etc. But an interesting thing, one of the upside down aspects of the kingdom of the heavens is, is, is this sermon thing. It really is. I've had people tell me, I don't like sermons. So I don't, I don't come to church because I just don't like being, I don't like sermons. I don't need sermons. It's a really interesting deal. For instance, in Romans 10, Paul says, how, how will they hear unless they, uh, how will they be saved unless they hear? And how will they hear without someone preaching to them? And the word for preaching is exhorting. Like a strong, the definition of preaching is, is truth through personality. So I could get up here and I could every weekend just read uh, a manuscript. Or I could allow the truth of the message to come through my personality. And that's what connects with people. And God designated that lives would be changed forever through preaching. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 1, he, he, Paul wrote this. He said, it is through the foolishness of what was preached that the power of the cross was heard. And so we have this dynamic that goes on that on the very first day of the church, something really amazing happens. And that is, look at these words, Peter... On the day of Pentecost, which think of Mardi Gras, so there's just thousands and thousands of people around, and he stands up with the other apostles, raises his voice, and addresses the crowd. And this is now then a 550-word sermon. Don't you wish mine were only 550 words? 
fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Listen carefully to what I say. Now notice something here. He says, listen carefully to what I say. This is a, an echoing of what Jesus said. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let them hear. One of the things about people who really grow is they listen with their soul. They really hear. They don't just listen with their ears and their mind. They listen with their soul. One of the interesting things about the, the preaching moment like this is my task is not, it is not just to communicate so as to be understood. My task is more challenging than that. It's to communicate so as to not be misunderstood. It's, the stakes are that high. Your task is to listen with your soul. What does that mean? That means that you say, God, what is it that you have to say to me today? What is it I need to hear? If I read a book and I get one thing out of the book, it was worth reading the book. And when I, could, when I hear a message, if I get one thing that locked into my soul because I was open to that, then it's worth actually hearing that message. Stuart Briscoe was a preacher and he said, many a critic of the preacher has sat in the pew evaluating the sower and the seed. But what is really happening is that the seed is evaluating them. One of the interesting things about the preaching thing is the very, I mean, I sit and listen to preaching, is there is a posture of humility that has to happen when the preacher stands up and says, listen to what I say. Because God's gonna show up in this. And by the way, if you really, really, really want to get a lot out of the hour you put in here every week, do a few things. Come rested. It's, it's amazing how you can invest in this just by making sure you're rested. Come prayerful. Pray and say, God, what do you want me to hear today? Come teachable. The longer you've been in church, the less teachable you'll tend to be because you know it all. Well, what new thing can I learn? As a matter of fact, I've learned that if you've been in church over 10 years, you're probably educated beyond your level of obedience anyway. You probably know plenty. You probably know plenty. But the longer you listen to sermons, the, the more likely you are to not be teachable. It's really an amazing dynamic. I mentioned this a few weeks back, but the writer John Orberg used to have a column in Leadership Journal called divine comedy, and he'd poke fun at church stuff. And here's uh, an article he wrote. This is just so true. A delicate issue in this day of heightened vulnerability and authenticity is when preaching authentically, how do you disguise the identity of the people you use for illustrations? Say, for instance, you have a terrific conversation about eschatology, the end times, with your wife late one night when you're both in bed. But you've been mentioning your wife too often in messages lately, so you decide to disguise her identity and say, this is a conversation you have with a cranky old neighbor who lives across the street. <laughs> However, if you say, I had a terrific conversation with a cranky old neighbor about eschatology late one night last week when we were both in bed, some people could be distracted by the last part of your sentence and miss the point altogether. Well, you nip that problem in the bud by saying something like this. I had a terrific conversation with a cranky old neighbor about eschatology late one night last week, but we weren't in bed, that's for sure. This will set everyone's mind at ease, of course. And it's a really tricky thing to preach because now today it is a heightened 
It, it is harder than ever. I, I'm very aware. I get compared to people who are celebrities. Like who, you don't, even have, you, know, you don't have to be here today. You could be listening to so-and-so in Atlanta, Georgia, and so-and-so in Los Angeles, California. And it's a challenge. But many a person, I will tell you this, has been critical of the communicator when what is really taking place is an analysis of their soul. Because at the end of the day, do you come teachable? Because the other thing that has to happen is then you go put into practice what it is you teach or taught. You put into practice what it is that you hear. And when you do that, the seed of the word of God meets with a soul that has been ready and change starts taking place. And this is what happens in Acts chapter 2. Because what Peter does is, look at this, he invites them into a collision with the Savior. The sermon brings people to a point of contact with the Savior. And in the middle of this sermon, he says, seeing what was to come, Acts 2.31, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. He's speaking about David. He said, King David, hundreds of years ago, spoke of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life And we are all witnesses of it. Remember, remember, our faith is not based on people who believed. They didn't believe. They saw. Our faith is based on people who actually saw the resurrected Christ. That's That's a different thing than our faith being based on people who, yeah, we believe. We didn't really have any evidence of it, but we believe. No, they saw. They were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. Therefore, he said, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, Lord and Messiah. And this is the point where their hearts in a moment become convicted. He says, you have crucified him and God has raised him up. It's a really, really, really important moment in any person's journey is during a teaching where something shifts in their heart and they're introduced to the forgiveness of the Messiah. Forgiveness is not the only tenet about the gospel. It is the starting point, though. When I realize I have no inhibitions to come to God ever, not anymore, because that guilt and shame has been taken away, that excuse has been taken away, the curtain of the temple has been torn in two, and now I can enter the of holies because of the blood of the Lamb of God, because he was given for me. And when you understand that, that's when a journey shifts in direction. Max Lucado, the writer, said, the message is gripping. Show a man his failures without Jesus, and the result will be in the roadside, found in the roadside gutter. Give a man religion without reminding him of his filth, and the result will be arrogance in a three-piece suit. But get the two in the same heart. Get sin to meet Savior and Savior to meet sin. And the result just might be another Pharisee turned preacher who sets the world on fire. We've literally seen this happen. The stories that will be told, only heaven knows the effect of these baptisms today. When sin meets Savior. Because the next stage is the stage that comes from that. And that is the upside down kingdom is not about ascending, it's about descending. He descended so that we might surrender. 
And you begin to learn that the way of the cross is to let go, to surrender your agenda. And this is what happens in Acts 2, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They had a come to Jesus moment, literally, literally. And said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They didn't, they didn't say, hey, we need to know more. They just knew the enough that, that many of us know. Like, it wasn't just they who crucified Jesus. I crucified Jesus. My sin. And Peter replied, metanoia. Look at that word repent. It means change your mind. Change your mind. It means uh, do a 180, turn around. You've been running away from this plan of God. Now turn toward it. That's what it means to repent. And be immersed. Be immersed. It's unfortunate. There's translation of words and there's transliteration. It's really unfortunate the word baptizo got transliterated because if it was translated, he would have said, it would be translated, repent and be immersed in water. And because it was transliterated, it, got, it gets confusing what baptism really is. It's an immersion. It is, as I said last week, it is a, is a term used in the clothing industry. When a cloth was dyed, it was immersed into that dye, into that ink, and then it was brought up a different color. Every one of you, look at this. These are the six words that make what's going to happen special. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, you might have a pool in your backyard. You might have something that has water very similar to that in your backyard. You, you could get laid down backwards into water and it wouldn't mean anything. But what makes it special is it's in the character for the purpose of Jesus. One time Jesus told a man who was blind to put mud on his eyes and go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he didn't want to do it initially because you know why? That was a medicinal habit in that day to use mud and water to try to cleanse the eyes that couldn't see. And so this man had done that many times, but when he did it in the name of Jesus, there was something special that happened. You know what makes today special? Is really, we don't know how big that water is out there. We really don't. Only heaven does. Only heaven really knows what August 29th, 2021 will mean to the people who are being immersed in the name of Jesus. We do know that that catalyzes the experience of the forgiveness of your sins. That doesn't mean that only through baptism are we forgiven. It means that we experience the forgiveness that's offered to us freely by his grace. And he says, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit with this surrender the promise is for you and your children and for all, for all who are far off, that's us, and for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them. He, uh, the sermon was actually a little longer than that. And he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. 3,000, can you imagine? I think we have 70 signed up today and it's just gonna be a lot of pruned fingers out there baptizing people. Can you imagine 3,000? And you are in that number. Now what makes today more significant than ever maybe is literally the church in Afghanistan is being targeted as I speak. So literally there are people being killed 
right now in Afghanistan because they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you think that makes this powerful? I mean, this makes it so powerful, friends, that this was an act of martyrdom in the first century and it still is in the 20th century because it is saying, Muhammad isn't Lord, Caesar isn't Lord, there is one Lord and one Savior and his name is Yesu Ikurias, Jesus Christ. We want, you to, we want you to experience this, not, you know, you may have already been immersed, you may have already been baptized, but to, to celebrate that with us, when we go out there in a minute, just to be there, because all of us who have been immersed, we relive that. And then also, we're a part of that. If you just attend here, you're a part of making this happen. What happens after this is really powerful, and it's the S's, what we call the five S's of scripture, solitude, service, support, significant events. That's what they then commit themselves to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, scripture, to fellowship, support, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Uh, they, they, they met together regularly. Everyone was filled with awe. The many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's a really powerful thing that happens. This atom is split of surrender. That's where the power of the gospel happens is when someone says, okay, I, I surrender. I surrender to this. I'm gonna have, I'm, this is gonna be the truth of my life. And when that takes place, people wanna share that. They wanna get together and, and, and support each other in that. And so for those of you who are baptized today, we want you to know that this is your next step. Men's, women's ministry, getting involved in a city lights group is your next step because that's where you begin to experience what we call around here being a grape, not a marble. Marbles just bounce into each other and go the other, other direction, but grapes get squeezed together and that's how the wine flows. That's, that's how life flows. And we're just so happy that there are those of you today who have said, I, I surrender. Because, you know, I know for me, March 10th, 1974, it's a day, it's a, it's a night that I, I, I just remember it as clearly as, as, as if it happened last year. And for those that I know are, are surrendering to Christ this way today, you will not forget August 29th, 2021. And only heaven knows, really, how big it is. So I'm going to pray right now. Before I do, all of you who are pre-registered, could you go ahead and get up and go out the, the entry doors back there because we want to get you situated. For all of you who are ready to be immersed at this 930, if today, wow, amen, that's right. If today you've decided while listening to this gospel story of, of Pentecost, we have clothes for you. you. If you're not registered, that's okay. Just get up right now and go back and give them your name. And uh, we have a change of clothes for you. We have towels. We have everything. And uh, we would love for you to say, hey, today, this is, this is the, what pushed me over the Maginot line of no going back. I surrender. And all my hope is in, in Jesus Christ. And we'd love for you to do that. Uh, I'm going to pray right now, and I want you to join us. The, uh, the, if you didn't see them, the tubs are out in 
uh, outside, just outside these doors. And we have drinks and everything out there in case you get a little warm. But uh, we want you to celebrate this us, with, with us in this because uh, it's really special to be a part of a place where this is actually happening. And where we get to live a little bit of the excitement of when the church launched. Because today, the church is still launching, isn't it? It's still launching. His love is still working in this world. And it's really cool to see. Let's pray. Father, we celebrate today the power of the gospel of Christ. Caesar had his gospel, his declaration of administration and how he would just bless the world. And then this Nazarene comes along and says, here is the gospel. It is so simple, a child can understand it. Matter of fact, I can communicate it in one syllable words. God made us and loved us. We sinned and fell. But God, in his great love, sent his son to die for our sins. And now, if we will yield our lives to him, he will cleanse our sin and free our souls and give us life. It's that simple. It's that beautiful. And we're thankful that we're a part of a church that we can celebrate that today. Before we go, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. We pray for the families who have lost Marines this week. A church in Miami Township, Ohio right now is asking heaven to show up in Afghanistan and in the homes of the grieving. That God, we, this is no time for angels. Send yourself and clean this up and do your redemptive work. In the meantime, we're thankful that we live in a place of freedom. We could gather here today and celebrate surrender to the Savior. Uh, we pray that with passion. In the name of Christ, and everybody said, amen. amen. We'll see you next week. Let's go.